Right now, let's talk Georgia Bulldogs. Basketball, baseball, and football. Jeff Danzler is with the Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network. You heard him this past weekend on the Superstations in Macon and in Savannah. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Danzler TV. Talk a little Bulldog athletics with us. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you, sir? Bill, happy birthday, my friend. You're Thank still you. looking 29. <laughs> I'm like I'm like uh, Jack. I've now become Jack Benny. I'm going to be 39 and keep it there no matter what. Amen, my friend. Of course, well, nobody knows who nobody knows except for us who the hell Jack Benny is. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're having a great birthday, and it's always great to be on with you. Well, thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate that. All right, this offense for the dogs on the baseball team. Let's talk about them first. It keeps on rolling. Ten point four runs per game. Charlie Condon, five seventeen batting average, seven home runs, thirty two RBIs, and sixty at bats. Connor Tate, sixty two at bats, five sixteen batting average, six home runs, twenty two RBI. I mean, this offense is fun to watch right now, isn't it, Jeff? It, it really is. They're going good, and in fact, Charlie was the SEC Player of the Week last week, and Connor Tate was the SEC Player of the Week for the week that just concluded, which is terrific. So, those two guys are the sluggers, and you know, off to a Beckham and uh, Poitras type start for us. There, it's a deep lineup, one through nine. So, this team's been a lot of fun to watch. No question, no question about that. And so, they play Wofford tomorrow. And then uh, host South Carolina to start SEC play this weekend, Jeff. And look, um, they're all to a great start. We know that, but SEC is so tough. Uh, where where do you think they're going to stand? Just from what you've seen so far of them, and what you've seen from afar watching the other teams in the conference. You know that that's the thing which gets back to what we talked about last time. Just find your way into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. If you're the you're the eighth best team in the league, that's really good. And I'll just go back to last year. Ole Miss went 14 and 16 in the SEC and won the national championship. <laughs> I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. I'll uh, look at the when the rankings come out across the country today. There there's six different polls in college baseball. I'll go through them again before the game tomorrow, but. By my estimation, I think we'll have 11 teams in the top 25. We had 10 in last week. So it's just incredible that the power and the talent and the strength is is otherworldly. And, you know, the the way they set up the brackets where you can get some SEC on SEC and some super regionals there. One day I remember back in 2004, we got four teams in Omaha, and we were one of them. And there were two teams that lost in Super Regionals. I think the NCAA kind of thought, like, oh, my gosh, we almost just had us another SEC tournament here. So <laughs> it'll be impossible to get probably six or seven in, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got four in again. Well, it's something to watch, and I can't wait to see some of the some of the conference games and, and see how they do for sure. So, again, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against South Carolina from Foley Field, 6 o'clock on Friday Two on Saturday and three o'clock on Sunday as well. And you can catch it here on the Superstations in Macon and and in Savannah. All right. I, I want to get your thoughts on the Georgia women now. They play in the Seattle Regional. Are you going to be in Iowa City, Iowa on uh, on Friday? Most likely. Uh, I'll give you a, a quick glimpse behind the curtain. 
What I am hoping to do is to get the call to basketball remotely so I could be at Foley Field this weekend where it's not going to be 19 degrees at night. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I got a feeling I'm going to get told no on that. So <laughs> I'll uh, I'll be calling the hoops game. And then uh, for baseball Friday night, I'll, uh, I'll do the color with Dave sitting in my hotel room. So <laughs> I did that for a couple last year. It's that time of year. But you know, Coach Abe did a good job with this team to get into the tournament. And, you know, going up to Iowa City, it's, uh, we were at Iowa State last year, so I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in Iowa, my friend. Are you running for president? Do we need to make an announcement or something? <laughs> the caucus. The caucus. <laughs> I know we're stumping there, but no, it, 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 it's been such a great run here. And uh, obviously, by the way, it was uh, nine weeks ago today that Georgia won a second straight national championship by a score of 65-7. to seven. But, Absolutely. You know, we, we, we talked about the other sports. Uh, both tennis teams are now 4-0 in SEC play. And at the NCAA indoor track meet, uh, the women finished fifth and the men finished second this past weekend. That's so awesome. It's really going great. And a couple other sports, I know we mentioned this, but for the first time ever in the fall, we had both our volleyball and soccer teams make the NCAA tournament. It was the first time they had both made it in the same year. And not only that, they both won an NCAA event as well, a game-slash-match. And for, for, for several years, kind of volleyball, soccer, and track were kind of you know, holding us back a little bit in the all sports competition, mm-hmm. but that that's an area. I mean, what what Josh Brooks is is done there, and the, the coaches that he's brought in. I mean, it is really terrific. So having those sports going good, and you know, the tennises, the swimmings, and the golfs are always going to be strong. Oh, absolutely, no doubt about that. Well, and then tomorrow, that uh, that little team that's won two straight national championships will be back on the field for. The start of spring football. They're going to have the pro day on Wednesday, and um, they just announced that ESPN two will televise the G day game on on April fifteenth. So obviously, let, let, let's just start with the quarterback situation, right? That's what everybody is going to be going to be thinking about. Um, I, I think you said a couple of weeks ago. I think you it was you said you know look, uh, uh, Carson Beck has this. Uh, advantage to where you, you almost think it's his to lose. Did you say that, or I, I have so many Georgia guests on? But I mean, <laughs> how, how do you really look at this competition between these three, and what do you think about it? I, I think Beck would be the front runner just because of the experience that he got last year, and you could tell he was really improved from 2021 to 2022, and he also showed the ability to run a bit more than I thought he could. But I think Kirby's goal getting to to the spring, probably his top goal after winning the national championship, was to get all three of those quarterbacks to spring practice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd never know what could happen afterwards. Could one of them jump in the portal? Well, sure. But the fact that he got them all three to the spring, and it's going to be a wide-open competition, and you know, there, there, there are all kinds of connections. Of course, Mike Bobo's dad was Gunnar Stockton's kind uh-huh. of QB coach growing up. And, you know, Brock Vandegrift, the local kid, has now got two years in the system. So I, I think all three are really, really good and really, really talented. And, and it, it's just terrific. They've all been here. And, and for ESPN2 to carry, you, know, you got a couple things, obviously, the, the back-to-back reigning national champions. And also, I mean, this, this is – one of the positions, uh, I would think, in all of college football that everybody's going to be keeping an eye on because when, when you think about the national contenders out there, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State uh, are all going to be breaking in new quarterbacks this year. And, and I, I will tell you this, but I've watched football my whole life. 
One of my first ever memories was a 78 Tech game. In fact, we had an assistant AD a few years ago come and go, hey, how long have you been with us? And I guess it's a 78 Tech game. Hmm. But uh, um, the, uh, uh, I, I know this, you better trust your quarterback and your kicker. Mm-hmm. And we, we had two exceptional players there in Stetson Bennett and Jack Pod Lesney. Uh, it, it's crazy they're both walk-ons. Hmm. So, uh, you know, can you trust your quarterback the, the way we trusted Stetson? And then is that place kicker going to be it? Now, you know, you're not going to have necessarily Kevin Butler or John Casey or Rex Robinson. Right. But can you make everything? What you need is everything from 40 in. It's got to be a given to me. Yeah. You start getting a, a, over that, then you're, you know, you're playing with some house money. And, and that's where Jack started off so good for us, is that he was just like, all right, on the short ones, boom, he's money. You know, you want to get the touchdown, but, but if, if you don't, you know, you at least got to get three. And then he showed – he can really extend. So, uh, to me, that, that's the other big competition there. But th- this defense d- just has a chance, I think, to be so good that it, it's going to give you know Kirby the, the, the opportunity to, to, to give those two positions some leeway in the spring. And you want to be as good as you possibly can every time out. But, you know, if this defense is rivaling the 21 defense, which it potentially could, yeah. you know, who knows, you still have to do it. You know, it might be in a situation where most games, you know, j- just getting in the 20s is going to be enough to win. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about it, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Dancer, our our guests here for the Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network. You know, the, the confidence that Coach Smart had – in Stetson Bennett. I mean, that that's that obviously developed over time. You can go back to the Oklahoma practices, right, before the Rose Bowl and how uh, Stetson was trying to, to act like Baker Mayfield and how they were talking about him then of how much he was helping. So that was a multi-year process that allowed Kirby Smart, particularly from, from uh, you know, the 2021 season, start to really fall in place. How long do you think this kind of competition, how long will it take for that kind of confidence to, to be with Kirby for one of these guys? Is it, is it, I mean, could it take half the season? Is, and like you say, do we have a, t- a time to let them kind of play around with that because of this defense and let them figure this out in time? And it doesn't have to be necessarily on September the 3rd, does it? I, I think you're right, Bill. And, and I, if you're really talking about trusting somebody, you know, it might take half a season or so. And that's uh, you know, to, to get into, again, how upset we all were when the SEC made us pull out of that Oklahoma game because you, know, you need a big game like that early for a multitude of reasons. You know, you're talking about getting focused and also just getting battle-tested going into conference play. So I, I think you're right. You might be talking the, the midpoint of the season. And I, I think something else, I'm, I'm just guessing here, when spring practice is done, I don't think you're going to have a starter. You, mm-hmm. you might have first team on the depth chart, but I would imagine – Unless somebody just goes out and absolutely is head and shoulders above, I would imagine he's going to want that competition continuing in, in the preseason camp. I know there's always competition, but at the same time, quarterback's a different animal because they, you know, you're getting everybody in, in the plays, and, and you need to have the whole team in sync. So you really need to know who that number one guy is. And, and, and I would imagine what he would love to see is all three of them play great, uh, you, you have a front runner, you have a number one, but I, I would bet it'll probably be August before we actually name the starter. And if you were in charge, wouldn't you want to watch how they perform on and off the field in the summer months as well? Yes, 100%. 
I just think that could be something that, uh, you know, we, we know last year after it was Stetson jo- Stetson's job how he got even more confident and in, in conjunction, cohesive with the, the wide receivers with AD and the rest of them. And I think that would be something I would – I would want to watch as well. Do we need to see a, a, a number one running back out of spring practice, or, or, or are we still, do you think, okay with, all right, whoever's the hottest is going to get the carries, and that's been established for a while now? I think with Mike taking over the offense, you might get a little bit more of a look where there's a chance that a guy could get 20 or 25 carries. And, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, I'm the president of tailback you, man. I'm a tailback guy. I still think it's the ultimate – difference-making position, and obviously, uh, Bill, our age, everybody knows what we grew up with at that position at Georgia, Yep. and I, I, I would not be surprised to have that hot hand uh, kind of be the main focus, because there, there were some times, and again, here's the thing, with an offensive coordinator, they call 70 plays, what are the three that you remember, you know, the, the three that didn't work, <laughs> we're obviously incredibly grateful for Todd Munkin and everything he did. But there were times, like in the Kentucky game, Kenny McIntosh is absolutely gashing them. Uh, and before they stop us on third and fourth down into the third start of the fourth quarter, he's not in the game. Yeah. And that's one to me, like, listen, I, I'm not a coach, obviously. I do know the game. Kentucky was glad he was not in the game. But that was just kind of one of my, I, I guess we had a small bone to pick sometimes. Was If you've got that guy at running back, and McIntosh was clearly the best back that day you, know, you, you got to at least have him in the game and that's something that i would expect to see a little bit more out of mike so let's say branson robinson wins the job and he's the number one maybe so out of robinson milton and edwards maybe instead of all three of them getting between 10 and 15 carries you know maybe one of them gets 20 or 25 mm-hmm. but one one of the things where kirby has been so good and this is this takes you back he's got some Eric russell in him in many ways you got to run the football to win. And by the way, I love it that we've been the contrarian football team for much of the last two years, that we've brought the run game and defense back into vogue. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that Kirby has talked about is finding creative ways to run the ball because th- th- there's so much size in the SEC, in college football across the board, that teams, you know, sometimes there's just not enough room. If you're talking about five 300-pound offensive linemen, three or four 300-pound defensive linemen, 240-pound linebackers slamming safeties in, and, and a lot of I think about the Missouri game last year in the first half, they were just absolutely selling out, doing everything they could to stop the run. So Kirby has been great about finding creative ways to run the football, and that means pitching it to Brock Bowers, uh-huh. pitching it to Lad McConkey, because you have to be able. To run the ball, and, and again, that was kind of the the roots of the the old ham bone flex bone offense with, with the great Ark Russell. He said, "I want to run the football, but I want to do it in a, in a two minute drill type way." Mm-hmm. And that's where Paul Johnson came up with that offense with Tracy Ham. So I, I think with Kirby, it's it's finding creative ways to to run the football. And another thing he saw out of him, you know, he obviously let Todd Munkin do his thing, but there were also times like before the TCU game. Well, I think we all noticed this. Bowers wasn't getting the ball enough against Ohio State, and Kirby Smart made it a point to get the best player in the country involved. And it was one of those, like, he's going to touch the ball five times in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do think you might see more of that lead dog at running back. 
And then also, just that's the other thing Kirby's done. You, know, you look at the big games, you got to have your guys be guys. And we're going to do everything we can to continue to, to get the football in the hands of the, of the top players. And that you know, starts with Bowers and McConkey and those backs. Finishing up with Jeff Danzler here. And, Jeff, obviously the last couple of years we've had some great tackles on this team with Andrew Thomas and uh, Jamari Sawyer, who's already making a difference in the NFL. We, we know that – that Broderick Jones is perhaps going to be a top 10 draft pick here next month. And now it sounds like Ernest Green is going to get that opportunity at left tackle. And, boy, there's a lot of positive coming out uh, of, of what kind of potential this young man has, isn't there? And is, no, and is he healthy? No, That's the question, right? No doubt. And that that is the position that worries me some because – not this recruiting class, but the one before that Green came in mm-hmm. was Georgia's weakest offensive line class since Kirby's been here. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of you're, you're kind of getting to to the the last remnants of of uh, Matt Luke's holdovers here. And Stacy Searles is a heck of a good coach, and we put together a really good O line class this year. But you know, you, you start kind of peeking ahead after this season, and th- that's a spot where Georgia really needs to to get that depth rebuilt and obviously Kirby's focusing on that big time but yeah it it tackle it looks like Green is going to be the guy there if he's healthy and I think they want to keep Mims at right tackle but you're but back to your point I mean you're talking about going back to Isaiah Wynn Andrew Thomas Mm -hmm. you know what 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 Salyer was able to do and then you know when Georgia made the move in the national title game two years ago moving Salyer inside and, and Broderick Jones to left tackle and you've had Warren McClendon he came in in the middle of that Arkansas game in 2020 mm. and just very quietly had a phenomenal career here, started every game, graded out excellently every single game that he played. So those those are the other big shoes to, to fill on the offensive side. And, and, and no doubt, I think Green's development there is key, and we got to find another tackle. You know, could, could that be Michael Morris? I know the, the, the offensive tackle, uh, Monroe, is it Freeling? Is that the last mm-hmm. name? For, yeah. Yeah, from South Carolina. He yep. enrolled early. Um, but that's that's going to be another spot. You need Green to be a guy, Mims to keep on coming, and we need to find at least one more. Well, and Freeling is interesting because he was, uh, I think, by one of the services, a- a- after everything was over, the top-rated tackle uh, on the board, and I, I think some fans at least have wondered, all right, after Mims leaves next year, could Freeling be on that other side? And you have Green and Freeling, who are two very, very good prospects, which, again, he'll, this is the year he'll be developed with with Mims in place and, and Green, it looks like, in position to take over that spot. Either way, the depth that at times in the past we worried about is is still there. I mean, that, that, that depth is there that's been there the last two years and has helped this team win two straight national championships. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And that was, I think, the big area when Kirby got here, the two areas where we needed to get a lot better quickly, it was the offensive line and special teams. Mm-hmm. I don't think any Georgia fan could possibly argue anything other than that. And, and so that was instantly the top priority. And Georgia's hitting the, you know, Kirby is all what he is a master at roster management. Yeah. And, yeah, just to, to have that depth on the O line, that's why this class, you know, signed four offensive linemen coming in for this year was very important. And next year's class is going to be, I, I think, has a chance to be 
all-time are great. And, and that certainly starts with getting some guys up front. But, I mean, you look at the, the defensive classes that we're stacking up now, Bill. It's, oh, it's ridiculous. It's pretty – I mean, I was going through in my head just the other day thinking about what the, what the two-deep is going to look like, not including any of the freshmen. Yeah. And, I mean, you're, now you throw the freshmen in there who might play some. You're talking about on a, on a front seven – you know, you're talking about 25, 26 guys oh, yeah. who are really good or are really, really highly rated coming in. There, there, yeah, that's incredible. why I didn't ask you one, one question about the defense for spring practice. I have no worries about the defense in spring practice for this team. None. I mean, I, and, I wish I could find saying, one. I don't, though. Do you? Well, no, it's, it's going to be, yeah, do they continue to play hard? Do guys develop? But we've sure. seen the signs of it. It's like, yeah, I, we lose Jalen Carter. Yeah, he'd be, he's going to be a potentially a top five pick. But, you know, you got Barry Alexander. You got Michael Williams up right. front there. Chris Smith's an All American, but you got Starks and right. Bullard right. back there. You know, so Keely Ringo's the first one. We'd like to have another corner, sure. But Kirby brought in three four- and five-star cornerbacks yeah. last year and brought in two or three more in this class. Right. So you just you, you look top to bottom, yeah, and, you know, we lost Nolan Smith. And, and, and I thought with Nolan, when he went down, I thought, you know, we, we're still good enough where I think we can get, we'll get to the playoffs. But I thought, you know, that injury might be what cost us the whole thing. Yeah. And we win the whole thing w- without him. So you're talking about you're going to have three first-round picks in a first-team All-American free safety gone who made some of the biggest plays in Georgia history, and this defense could be better. Yeah, and I'm not being smug by saying no. that I'm not worried about any spot, but, I mean, you, I don't even think someone who knows these players and doesn't look through red and black glasses like you and I do to a certain extent would have a hard time saying that there is any spot on that football field on the defensive side that is a quote-unquote concern. There may be questions about, all right, who's going to play here? Who's going to play that other spot that Robert Beal was in? Who, you know, who's going to step up on the other side of Marvin Jones or whatever? But, my God, the candidates and options are endless with this team, which, again, is the difference of what Kirby Smart has built and what used to be in place. I mean, but, I, I mean I'm looking at the depth chart right now this is a depth chart because it's deep as hell. <laughs> yeah. It's not absolutely. just a roster, right? It's a depth chart. It is a depth chart. And you're right. There's so many candidates there. You've got the competition. You've got the leadership. You've got the young guys coming up. And we're at the point now, and Bill, I think we talked about this. When you start getting to that dynasty level, when Bama went next level was six or seven years in, when you get that second cycle of recruits in, basically the second group of guys who've been there three and four years, and that system's been put in, and it is integrated, and the players are passing it down. And and that's what you're seeing with this Georgia team and, and, and the depth of talent there. And, and, and you throw in that Georgia's getting contributions from all four classes. Hey, you want to throw in the, the, the graduate guys with the COVID year, you can say five or six classes yeah. right there. And that, that's so big. But So I think about this. You, know, you got Bear Alexander and Michael Williams are five stars. We play like five stars. The other big thing, too, how about getting Zion Logue and Nazir Stackhouse Absolutely. back? You know, Absolutely. these guys are like 23 and 22 yeah. years old, fourth and fifth-year guys. I mean, they're basically NFL defensive linemen right now. You know, they'll yeah. probably be fourth-round picks and not a first-round pick. But just getting guys like that back, I mean, those are grown men. Well, Waltower started 13 games, Stackhouse 15 and then you've got Logue, who played in 14, and Brinson, Warren Brinson, played in 15. Those are four 
Well, and I, well, I shouldn't leave out Tyron Ingram Dawkins. He played in 14 right. games. I mean, those are five players right there where we didn't mention Mikel Williams. We didn't mention Barry Alexander or C.J. Madden or Jordan Hall, the true freshman, that have just experience that you can have on the field and feel confident about that. And I, it's ridiculous. It, it is. Well, it's unbelievable. The other thing, too, just the reason number 8,000 margin of victory matters <laughs> and just the number of blowout wins that George has posted – the last two years is the the experience, the game snaps these guys are getting. Yep. It's so incredibly valuable. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It's it's so, so good of how he not only manages the roster and the roster construction, but also handles these guys and gets them ready for more competition and, and uh, a great role for sure. Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, if you have to go out to Iowa City, uh, be careful. Last time I was there was the NIT Final Four, uh, the NIT first round, and Ron Jersey's first year in the low one night was either one or two when the river froze. So, oh, my gosh. Oh, my Lord. Ron Jersey, that, that, that about ruined me with Georgia basketball right there is Ron Jersey. <laughs> so that was my last trip to Iowa City. So oh, wow. We'll, uh, we'll let you know how it goes. Okay. Jeff, thank you as always. Thanks, we appreciate Jeff. it. Yeah.